Hi, everybody. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you once again for another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Uh, we come to you after the Mavs uh, fell late to the Bulls, 107 to 109. Josh, I'm just going to fire away to you and we can talk about this game for as long as you like. Sure. Um, so I think I tweeted this earlier in the night. This game doesn't really... I knew that if the Mavericks lost this game, it doesn't really change my broader picture of how I feel about the team in terms of like, I'm, this isn't like a loss where I'm like, they're doomed or like, there's, there's obvious, like there's something wrong, like something's wrong with the team. But it was also like, but they got to like, they need to win this game. Like it'd be really, really frustrating and annoying not to win this game. And that's exactly what it was. Like, I'm not, there's nothing like to panic over in my mind over this loss, but it's also like, just kind of counting up the number of these games that the Mavericks should have won that they've lost. And there's really no good excuse for tonight. Um, I know that there's probably going to be some sentiment of no KP second night of back-to-back three and four nights, no Brunson, no Seth Curry, who was kind of a questionable coming in and then was a late uh, scratch. And you're like, okay, well, you know, they're banged up. They're shorthanded. The bulls are bad full strength. And they were missing their probably one of their best players. They're missing Zach Levine. And really just look at the, the what, how many players play five, five, the 10 players the Bulls played tonight. And look at, you know, the players the Mavericks played tonight. And when you consider that Luca was playing after he got the night off last night, like this is a bad loss. Like this, the Mavericks should have won this game. Um, it does bring up some issues about the rotation maybe and guys are being stretched a little bit where they, they shouldn't be, but there, there's absolutely zero excuses for them to have lost this game. And especially when you consider how badly they get outscored in the second half, like, like good grief, man, the Mavericks got outscored 33 to 17 in the third quarter. Like that's not competitive. And against this bulls team and you've got Luca playing like no excuses. That's bad. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of think like there's some bigger picture stuff that I want to touch on, but with relation to this game, I think it's, I think it's worth looking a little bit at who is playing off the bench here and really focusing, turning around and taking a look at some of the things Josh and I were worried about at the beginning of the year. I did not expect Chris Stapps Porzingis to play as well as he's playing at this point in the year. That was something I thought we could hope for, for next year, but what has instead, and, and the reason the Mavericks played so well early is a number of guys off the bench and in the rotation played above really their pay grade, for lack of a better description. That's not an insult. It's just guys were playing really well. And I think it's safe to say when looking at the injuries and when looking at the level of play, the bench and the non Porzingis non-Luka Doncic players, everyone else is simply playing worse. And I don't... Except for Hardaway. Hardaway's even having some rough goes of it, though, man. Like, 26 points tonight on 21 shots. Sure, he was 4 of 12 (laughs) from 3. You know, it's it's he's he's contributing what I would want, but I wouldn't also say that he's that he's playing. He's he's not playing out of body like he was for some of these games. If if that makes any sense, that's not really a criticism. It's just you and I talked about the fact that we were concerned that at some point or another, 
the Maverick depth was going to catch up with them. And I do feel like since the all-star break, that is more or less what has happened to some degree. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And it is, I want to circle to a player that I think kind of, to me, in my mind, personifies the point that you're making. uh, And that's Delon Wright. And boy, oh boy, man, 27 minutes. And when you, I, I, when you look at a game like this, three and four nights, back to back, on the road, you're playing a bad team that even with your injuries, you should beat. Um, and a lot of the, the injuries, you know, Brunson and Seth are out, so you need another guard next to Luca to step up. Like, this is the game. Like, you give Wright a three-year contract, uh, a multi-year deal, uh, obviously it wasn't huge, but he was basically their biggest offseason signing when you really mm-hmm. think about it. Yep. And when you give a guy like that, that kind of money that could have gone elsewhere, obviously it's not superstar money, but still it was starter money. Um, and he, he have a performance like this, 27 points, 0 of two from the field, zero points, six rebounds, four assists and a steal with, I think the assist and the steal coming in that goofy final. Oh yeah. He was a negative seconds. four. He was a negative 14. For most it, of the for going yeah. into the final thirty seconds of the game, right. and, and this is the oh yeah. go ahead. Right, that, that's say, just this is the guy who yeah you know his brother has tweeted about the Mavericks. <laughs> He's made some comments about how he wanted more and, and expected to do more, and it's really been put up or shut up time. Uh, these past four games and he's done a lot of 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 I think it would be necessary to say that and I, I don't want to kill the guys professional basketball player he's not like uh uh Justin Jackson who I you know who maybe we should broadside later but <laughs> he he just has he shrank and I don't understand why these teams are not very good that they're playing there are opportunities for him and the ball is like he—he's illegal. Like, like he just must be allergic to t- to shooting the basketball at this point. Twenty-seven minutes and two shots. What are you doing? Yep. And when he got signed in the summer, you know, he was the presumed starter, starter from his preseason, started opening night, and then you know we all kind of thought it was weird how he kind of went to the bench right away. And you know when when he made those comments to you know our former former uh, editor chief Tim Cato at the athletic, when he talked about how he doesn't really prefer to come off the bench, he would rather start. And my eyebrow kind of raised. And part of me was like, okay, I get it. Cause you can imagine what the Mavericks pitched him on over the summer for him to sure. join their team. But like you said, it's put up or shut up time. Like, how do you, you can't justify this now. Like you gotta, you gotta do something, man. And I understand, you know, the six rebounds and the four assists and, and, you know, drawing a charge and getting a steal. Like, that's the kind of stuff that he, he you know, he's, he can do, you know, when Luca and Kristaps and Seth and all these guys are playing. And you can look and you can be like, okay, maybe it's not worth necessarily through your contract for the money you're paying him. But you need guys like that in your roster to fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But when he does this kind of stuff, when the team desperately needs something. Like just mm-hmm. something other than Luca getting trapped at the three point line and passing it to guys that have deer and headlights looks on their faces. You you just you have to have more. And especially, especially when you consider that this summer they tried to go a little quiet, preserve room for twenty twenty one. Oh, let's circle back splash. on that. Let's circle back <laughs> on that. No, because it was one of our best podcasts, our most listened to ones. The Mavs, um the Mavs shit the bed in free agency. The fact of the matter is that Luca and Kristaps Porzingis are phenomenal, and that just like the Dirk Nowitzki years, papers over a lot of front office 
um, missteps. And that's what we're seeing this year. And I am very pleased, big picture, with the way the Mavericks have come away with things as, as a team. But if we're going to talk about free agency briefly, they <laughs> sucked. And there is no, like, they, they got Porzingis, which, okay. But they, they made some moves, and eh, it hasn't been great. And, again, when guys play out of their, com- not even their comfort zone, the first 20 games, we had a fair number of Maverick players play outside of themselves in a way that we haven't seen since. Tim Hardaway Jr. has picked up the slack in a big way, but then, you know, you pair injuries in the length of an NBA season, and you're looking at who the Mavericks are being forced to play. Like, Boban is is a situational guy who's having to play minutes, and just, you know, he he played a pretty good game tonight, and, and yep. it's, it, you know, 14 points and 12 rebounds, and still it just that that clearly wasn't the game for him. You know, kid Gilchrist once again, you know, that, that like in his, you know, six games, I think he's like a negative 50. Like he's been awful. Like, you know, Willie yeah, Collins nine. I don't know. I've heard, I've heard some, some ideas about what might be up with him. I wish him the best and hope he gets back, but he was never going to be a savior. Like this, this is, you know, so what, what, what a couple of people said, I can't, can't wait for Kirk to be met on the pod. I'm really not mad because this was, it's not that it was expected, but it just, it feels like this is the long-term, you know, consequence of, of playing above yourself for so long. You're going to, the Mavericks have had, you know, early in the season, the Mavericks lost a lot of games and not, not necessarily their beat. They lost a lot of games. Tonight is an episode, in my opinion, where the Mavericks were beat. They were beat by a team that played harder and that was that was more ready for for certain things. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that Luca's left hand is almost useless right now. Do you watch him dribble with that thing? Yeah, is that the that's the injured hand, right? That's the injured hand, and we're yeah. not talking about it because it doesn't get put on the injury report in the way that you'd expect. And he's not going to make an excuse about it. But Luca's left hand. If you want to talk about an evolution in his rookie year compared to what he was overseas, Luca in his left hand was so much better than what scouts predicted. John Hollinger wrote about it in The Athletic. I can share the article if anybody didn't see. He was powerful and confident with that left hand. There were incidents in that Spurs game where he just lost the ball after he got hurt. And if if Luca's going to play with one hand, if Porzingis is going to be out, if Brunson's going to be out with with his issue, if uh, the other aforementioned guys aren't going to be able to play, it's just hard. Like like a win tonight would have been theft in some respects, based off of of after the way that third quarter went. I, there's really no, I don't know. I'm I'm really frustrated, but I. I just, I, I don't know what to do about it because I feel like the goal at this point, the Mavs are never going to admit this, but I think they, you know, they should have won more games in February. They haven't. And now at this point, I feel like they've comfortably settled into the seventh seat. Does, is that ridiculous? Yeah, that's why, that's why what I said earlier, like this loss isn't like a big picture, like the sky is falling type loss. It's more just frustrating as hell in the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I'm not, I don't really change the way I feel. Like I said, they're still kind of where they are. And like the same thing you're kind of saying, it's like, they just kind of need to finish out the season and get through it and try to get healthy. Like the goal isn't like, I'm sure maybe two or three, four weeks ago, it's, Hey, let's, you know, try to make a push for the fourth seed. But right now it's like, 
you're good. Like you're not going to miss the playoffs. You know, it would be nice to get a higher seed, but with the way the team is playing and with the, the injuries, it's just kind of seemingly keep coming up. Like, you know, Luca hasn't played. It feels like Luca hasn't played a full week or two without getting nicked up, whether it's the ankle or whether it's his thumb in a while, you know, it's almost like, do we, do they need to put him on ice for like three or four games and just, just try to coast it out to get, get to the end of the season. I don't know, but it's definitely, yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, well, <sighs> it's hard. To, it's cause I'm mad about the loss cause it was such a crappy loss, but it's mm-hmm. like, I, I can't get too mad about like the season outlook. One right. thing I want to do want to say about Luca is boy, his last one, two, three, his last four games, one of eight from three, zero of six from three, three of eleven from three, one of six from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that started before the San Antonio game. He was one of six, uh, February twenty-fourth against Minnesota. Uh that this is something I know I've been talking about in our Slack, you know, internally about I write about, but it's it's becoming time that we have to start talking about. Uh, Lucas three point shot, and he is taking so many of these things. And I know that three is worth more than two, and I don't necessarily want him exchanging these threes for twenty footers or eighteen footers. But there's got to be a limit to where the math finally doesn't tilt in your favor when you're making thirty percent or less on on a shot. Like you know, it's it's got to come to a head eventually. Like he's got to start making these or they got to think of something else to do in terms of his game uh, in that regard. I mean, obviously not change his game, but you know, there's something's got to give there. I think, you know? Yeah. I, the shot is, is a big picture discussion, right? Yeah, I know. There's there's a guy on Twitter. Monday night. There's, there's a guy on Twitter. I follow is at polar fall. I believe he is Korean. He does some excellent biomechanic explanation in English. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's his second language, but his explanations of like how guys are moving are so fascinating. And he once explained to me that Luca generates a ton of power on his shot by how he steps back. It's not necessarily just a, a habit thing. It's literally for him at this point in his development, how he's shooting the ball both confidently and with distance. I mean, that final shot that he took double teamed against the bulls. He took a half court step back. I, yeah, I can't dude. emphasize how batshit that is. And he and almost it, made it and he almost made it. And so there's, there's like some real, I, I just, I, I, I think, you know, some of that will come back where he will get more confident and comfortable taking catch and shoot threes. He hates it. Like you just see the ball gets in his hand and he wants to do something with it. So I'm really not sure. I don't know enough about shooting mechanics. We're both, we need to bring on somebody who, who is an honest to goodness expert in these sorts of things and maybe talk about it a little more because there's a lot to talk about and it is worth, it is worth thinking about as we head into the bigger Mavericks picture. I will say that I've heard from enough, you know, other NBA commentators that feel that his shot form is very good. So there's not like he, he needs to figure out something mechanically. I think it might be just the process in which he goes about some of it. So that's a really good point though. And something that I I think we need to pay attention to. I, I want to talk about, one more thing before we or a couple more things before we get out of here but we've been rambling for a little bit so we need to take a short commercial break please stick with us we will be right back 
All right, guys. Josh Bowe and Kirk Henderson once again. Uh, episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We're still talking Bulls Mavs. Talking longer than we have in a couple of days. But lo- also, you know, Josh and I frankly haven't been on at the same time because, uh, you know, it's it's like game like 60-something. And he and I are are frankly getting a, a little tired just like the Mavs. So we're, <laughs> we're trading off. Um, I want to talk about J.J. Barea had a little bit of a blow up towards the end of the game. Um and as he went to the bench, uh, actually, he, he he waved off getting subbed out after an offensive foul, went to the bench and was clearly emotional. Um, now that I've, I'm glad we didn't talk about this earlier, because when I saw it at the time, I, I kind of chuckled, uh, which I have a love-hate relationship with Barea over the years. I, I he's He's obviously better than I give him credit for, but I was skeptical of why they brought him back. And why they brought him back was clearly because of of his leadership not for his basketball and the depth issues have forced him to play which results in teams being able to game plan for him which has really limited his effectiveness and tonight's a fourth straight game where he has played like butt <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh yeah i think the thing that we should give credit to at least carlisle and the coaching staff is that wasn't our big one of our biggest fears in August was that Berea would be like the first guard off the bench and like Brunson would get buried and like all of our Rick Carlisle nightmares that we've had over the last like five years in terms of how he prefers his veterans. Like didn't we, we thought that was going to be like the sum of all fears, worst case scenario. And to their credit, like he's been a spot player. Like you said, like he gets DMP CDs very regularly. He plays spot minutes. He is a break glass in case of emergency player, which is about where he should be right now. No, and no when he's come in, he's actually been pretty good up until yeah, he's done okay. before all-star break. He's been, uh, he's been better than I would have expected, but since all-star break and really February, he's just been kind of, eh. Yeah. And it's, and I, it's tough to watch because obviously Bray is an older player, but really, it's it's the injury. It's the mm-hmm. Achilles. It's coming back from that. It's, you know, I can't imagine how frustrated he must be with maybe his brain outpacing his body in terms of being an effective basketball player. Because before that Achilles injury, you know, this isn't like he was washed up like the last three years or something. In fact, he was having, in the last three or four seasons, he's had some of his best career shooting seasons like he's been pretty wild the turnaround he kind of made in these these lottery bound uh, maverick seasons you know before lucas showed up and that must be what's killer is that the last time he played a basketball game before he got hurt you know maybe there's you know maybe me and you and maybe some other commentators and mavs fans were like okay you know eventually you got to move on from berea uh but he was still good. Like he was still yeah. doing really good things. He was shooting the ball. Well, you know, he's a great passer, even if he can, you know, pound the air out of the ball sometimes with his, with his dribble. But yeah, this is more, it's not like a washed up player, not knowing when to hang it up. It's a player that kind of got something taken from him. Mm-hmm. That's out of his control. And that's what makes this tough. And that's what makes me sympathize a little bit with, you know, how he reacted going to the bench and being frustrated because it's, it's I can't imagine the psyche like what that must do to your mental psyche as a athlete who is, you know, who has a professional athlete who has to be on top of his game all the time. And for this to happen, like it's, it's tough. I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's rough. It's a rough go of it. Yeah. And I would say that the role he's played this year 
you see little things now and then his role and, and value as a leader, particularly with so many, when your best players are young, things can get funky. And yeah. I think he has helped Luca in ways that we will talk about like 10 years from now, where when Luca is, is a, is a real honest to goodness, you know, NBA vet, and and we'll look back and say that Berea really played that role that we had all hoped Dirk would play, where there was instances last year where, where Carlisle and he were not on the same page, and he was their go-between. And I think, you know, Carlisle and Luca have a much more, you know, uh, the relationship is much more fleshed out this year. And I haven't seen near the stuff, the frustration that I remember seeing last year. And honestly, Luke has been a heck of a lot better. So that helps with stuff. But I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 challenging. I'm looking at his box, like his his counting stats, and his shooting is is shooting his his has really just plummeted. Uh yep. he was shooting almost 46% in January. Yeah, and it's fallen, it fell to you know 39% in February. And through two games in March, he's he's just like not able to connect. And I I don't his assists are still great. He handles the ball well enough. Um, but you know, he he's this is it's the expectations, it's not fair. It's not fair. I hope he goes back. I hope Brunson's able, you know, to figure out uh how to play through his pain and, and get back on the court just because you know, there was a point earlier in the season where I remember you and I having a podcast and saying the Mavericks have four honest to goodness uh, guys at point guard that give them a different look and bring something to the table. And now it's it's one and that one has a busted left hand. So I'm not sure. This, <laughs> yeah. it's, I just you know, kind of just want to get the playoffs. It's it's. <laughs> You and I, you and I, like complained a week ago that there's not much to talk about, and here we are talking 20 minutes into a podcast. So, like, there's clearly <laughs> something. It's just this is, I don't know, it just feels odd. Yeah. Do you want to before we get out? I don't know if you had another thing to talk about, but do we need? Do we want to bring up the the dire? I know we kind of touched on it before the break, but the dire backup wing situation. Right oh now. yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so what killed uh, Michael key girl, Christ and Justin Jackson combined for 13 minutes. They scored four points. They made one field goal in four attempts, no threes, three rebounds combined minus 14. Uh, so in those, what, 15 minutes of play. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. And I feel like it's been, gosh, how many how many weeks has it been that Carlisle is just it feels like every week he's like, well, I gotta try someone else. I'm gonna try Jackson. All right. I'm gonna try broke off. All right, I'll go back to Jackson. Well, that's not working. We'll sign MKG. All right, let's roll him out there. All right, that's not working. Let's put Jackson back in. Like to Carlisle's credit, he is not stubbornly stuck on one of these guys as the backup wing. But at a certain point, it's just like it, I guess this just might be is what it is. I think. I've heard some, uh, you know, I know some Mavs fans maybe want to see a little bit more of MKG and give him a little bit longer leash, but at a certain point, he's got to show something in his bursts that he's getting. And even if it's not necessarily fair to him, like if they just keep losing the six or seven minutes he plays when he subs into the game, like what are you going to do, you know? So it's kind of dire, man. The Jackson play that really killed me tonight was in the fourth quarter. He is very late on a rotation to Otto Porter Jr. at the top of the key for three. And it's very bad on him if you watch the replay because Tim Hardaway Jr. 
you know, the ball has been swung and, and the help defense is scrambling. It's a scramble situation. And you see Tim Hardaway Jr. leave his man to help on the shooter that gets the ball. And as Hardaway Jr. is doing that, Jackson's like lagging behind him to go to that defender too instead of, you know, going to the next chain in the rotation. So he blows it there. And the ball gets to Otto Porter Jr. At the top of the key. So now he's running, scrambling back to try to close out on a play that he messed up on defense. And then he fouls Otto Porter Jr. He makes the three. It's a four-point play. And it's like, God, like it's just – and he misses all three of his threes. And it's it's tough. I like – thankfully in the playoffs, I don't know how much of an issue this will be as the rotations tighten. But, man, in a league that is dominated by wings – the fact that the Mavericks don't have a guy between six, 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 and six nine that they can't rely on coming off the bench, like that's kind of frightening, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's where it's where some of the assets they've had to give up to get Luca and Porzinga start to get a little concerning because you just want bites at the apple, and you watch what the Rockets have done. You watch what uh, the Lakers have tried to do. They ended up get, you know, they ended up settling for one of the Morris brothers. This is something the Mavericks have to build upon in the offseason. They need to try to get wings that don't suck. And the thing about Jackson was he sucked from the beginning. And all of you people who think otherwise should feel <laughs> shame. Shame. <laughs> I love you, Dalton. Shame. But it's it's just like there's some evidence about around basketball players that we know who are good or bad the rockets ended up like if you look at their roster they have like nine guys that are fitting the the lineup uh, size that you're talking about whereas the mavericks just don't and it's it's gonna catch up with them in the playoffs we know where they need to go but size is simply going to you know if if the mavericks are committing to playing five out ball they need length. They just need length. Um, sh- length with shooting is going to be key, but you, you can't get away with having uh, a defensive lineup of Luca and Seth Curry and, and you know, Courtney Lee. Like, this is, it's not going to go. It's not yeah, going to work. This is, we know where this is going to end, and they just need to figure out how to get better. I don't know if that's through the draft. I doubt it is just because I don't think the Mavericks are patient enough, even though they should be. Um, but it, it's, it's the thing. Yeah. And you talk about having bites at the apple. They're going to have a first rounder and a second rounder. That is almost a first rounder this June. That's two shots at it. So those are not throwaway picks by any means. If they want to keep them and try to get a value player. Um, and this is why you talked about how having to trade, you know, use resources for Luca, obviously that's what you have to do right. when they got screwed by the lottery draft. They had to do that. But that's when I, I, Kirk, how many times have I kind of tweeted this or we both tweeted this or talked to each other about like daydreaming about if the, if the draft lottery held as it, as it should have, and the Mavericks got the third pick, they didn't have to trade for Luca. They could have just drafted him and then kept their pick the next year. They could have had Brandon Clark. And I just watched, I look at the Memphis box score just about every couple of days. I see what Clark's doing and I'm like, oh shit. Like just imagining him on this team uh just it drives me a little crazy and there's nothing the mavericks can really do about it they got screwed by lottery luck and they had to make the trade to get their guy to get luca it's just kind of like the basketball gods shaking my fists at the clouds kind of thing and uh yeah i guess that's 
that's got to be a summer priority for them uh, if they can kind of finagle it with their weird cap situation, I think. Uh, so that's why it might be the draft where they need to address that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think they do something. They don't have the roster spots. I, it's the things get a little weird when we, yeah, really that's true. Into this. Like I, I think they end up trading one of the two and figuring something out. Anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about a lot of stuff. We have an interesting couple of games coming up. Uh, the Mavericks play New Orleans on Wednesday, late national game, which I didn't know was a late game, and I signed up as a recap like an idiot. <laughs> um, we're just at, guys, for those of you that 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 listened like religiously, we're just at the point in the year we should not be complaining. But yep. there's just like the, we just want to get to the playoffs at this point because the rest of this stuff is is largely going to be an exercise in frustration and hoping nobody gets hurt. Um, Josh, you got anything else before we go? Uh, nothing else except the next five games, New Orleans, Memphis, Indiana, San Antonio, Denver. That's yep. not a bunch of easy games. So nope. let's, let's see what happens. Nope. All right, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow going long after the <laughs> Bulls beat the Mavs. Um, the Ma- the Mavs scores 107 Bulls scored 109 and that's all we got. Be sure to like subscribe, whatever. Tell people we want to, we want more listeners this pod. We want feedback. Uh, tell us what we can do better. Uh, this is Kirk and Josh signing off.